This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3308 for Wednesday, the 7th of April 2021. Today's show is entitled, Let's Talk About Thunderbird. It is hosted by some guy on the internet and is about 33 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, using Thunderbird to manage emails. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. I am your host, some guy on the internet, and today I'm going to talk to you guys about email. At the end of my, uh, or not at the end of the last episode, but somewhere in the show notes, I think I probably said I'd do a video on email, or not a video, a podcast on email. And, uh, you know, when you say you're going to do a show, you got to provide a show. So here we go. We're providing the show on email. Now, Obviously, I'm not a highly technical person, but I do believe I've got some things that might help some people. And even if it doesn't, if these are things you automatically know how to do or whatever, then I guess um, just enjoy the show. You know, it's it's content. And that's what we're here for. So let's let's get started. So first thing first, the program I use to manage email is Thunderbird. So if you're doing email in the browser and you'd like to, you know, use a program to manage your uh, email, where that way you can, you know, manage it offline. You don't always have to have the internet to, you know, go through all your emails or whatever. I recommend Thunderbird. It's really good. It's free and open source software. I made a donation to them not too long ago of, uh, I think like 20 bucks. I got to make another donation to them as well. Cause, um, I like to keep projects like this around. I mean, uh, you know, I know my little 20 bucks is nothing compared to what some major organization may provide, but that's, that's, that's still appreciation coming from the users, you know, showing that, look, we need this software and I'm going to keep keep showing that I need this software. So I'm going to make another, uh, more than likely it's going to be another 20 bucks, uh, that I donate until I can actually get financially stable enough to do like an automatic, uh, recurring payment thing. I, I really, in my last episode, I talked about that uh, account thing where we just sort of, you know, make a one donation and the money is automatically, I, I wish that would be a little bit easier. Oh crap. Now here I go rambling on about something completely different. <laughs> The usual, huh? Let's all right. Let's stay focused. So once you got your Thunderbird loaded up and you got your uh, <laughs> your accounts uh, loaded into Thunderbird, you know you got to log into your accounts, verify that it's you, set up to um, if you want to anyway, keep your password stored so that way it automatically when you load Thunderbird, it automatically pulls down new emails and things, and you don't have to log in each and every time. So I, I have multiple email accounts under Thunderbird. And one of the things I thought of in the past to do to help cut down on some of the spam, because like when you're shopping at different stores and things, they all want you to provide an email address and, you know, tons of spam. I was going to create an email address 
specifically for the spam to get dumped into. And I saw that uh, one of my accounts under Yahoo has this capability for you to. And it, it's kind of weird setting that up where you can have like this sort of temporary email account that you create under your main email account. And that temporary one is what you give out whenever you know it's going to be a bunch of like if a store asks, hey, would you like to provide an email? You give them that one instead of your main. But what I find is once you start using Thunderbird appropriately, there's no need for any of that. There, there really isn't. I mean, Thunderbird just handles it all for you. I mean, you can do the smart filtering, which will automatically detect certain emails as spam for you and move them to the bulk email. And you can work with that so that over time it gets smarter and smarter and automatically detects the spam. Or you can do like I do and just work with filters. I like to manually do it myself personally. I like to go in there and select a thing I really know is spam and you know, copy that address, put it into a filter, have that filter automatically before the uh, junk processing, automatically pull anything from that domain. And I just highlight the domains, not just the specific uh, address. Sometimes it's the specific address, depending on where it's coming from. But um, yeah, I'll highlight the domain in the filter and then have that domain automatically dumped into the bulk mail uh uh, I guess, folder, directory, whatever it is here. And I like to do that instead of de- deleting it immediately because sometimes errors may happen. And I, I like the idea that I can go back and check through bulk mail and ensure that, okay, I did not accidentally put something in there that I really needed. So bulk mail is like that, you know, last chance before it's deleted forever. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I do for that. Now, setting up your filters, you're going to probably some of you may not know how to do this. So let's go ahead and click on this uh, bad boy right here. Once you got your email logged in and your emails are pulling down or whatever and you want to set up a filter, you can just hit alt on the keyboard and that'll pull up your menu bar at the top if you don't already have that. Because um, depending like if you're using Ubuntu, it may not have the uh, menu at the top. You'll just have the hamburger menu, which is on the top right, the three little lines. If you don't know what a hamburger menu is, they're like three horizontal lines stacked on top of each other. But if you hit alt, it'll pull up your menu with the file edit view, etc. Um, I'm on Linux Mint Cinnamon. This is my production machine that I'm on. I'm not on the laptop that I did a show about a few weeks back. But here we go. Let's go ahead and jump on in here. We're going to click on tools and then we're going to scroll down to message filters so if you wanted to, you can hit Alt. That'll pull up the uh, menu. Then you can hit T, which is, has the little underscore under T showing you what the hot key is that you can hit there. And then you can hit F. I should have probably did the NATO alphabet thing. So Alt, T as in Tango, F as in Foxtrot. And that'll pull up your tools menu. So now that you got your tools menu up, you can go ahead and just hit New to create a new filter. And when you do that, I'm not going to create a new one right now. And I'm just going to go under one of my existing ones. But when you create a new one, another window will pop up and you can give it a name for the filter name. So right now I'm under my delete all filter. And uh, this is a dangerous one, by the way. <laughs> You're going to see some options in there. Now, the options that I'm looking at right now, right under the name that you would give for your filter, you'd see the little message, uh, the, the label that says, uh, what's that? Apply filter when I have manually run selected. I also have getting new mail. And right beside that, it gives the option 
for you to select something. And the option I have selected is filter before junk classification. So that's I have those two check, which is manually run and getting new mail. Now, beneath that, they have archiving after sending and periodically every 10 minutes. Those are not checked. Those are the check boxes. Now, down at the bottom, you're going to see uh, a couple of radio buttons down there. Those are the circular buttons, not the square buttons. So um, you're going to see match all of the following. I don't use that one. Um, and I'll tell you why in just a bit here. The one I use is match any of the following. And that's key there. Not match all, match any of the following. And then there's match all messages. And uh, I don't use that one either. I use match any of the following. And in the bottom, when I'm going to add a thing to filter, so you'd see like a little plus button on the right over there. I have from as the first option, the first thing that you want to uh, begin matching any of the following. So we're going to do from, which is who the, who it's coming from, the message is coming from. Then our second option is it must contain. So basically from X person containing X statement or X string, whatever. And now the string is the third field that that I basically just put a domain in there. <laughs> and the domains that I put into the delete all filter political ads that come in. So, you know, every year there's going to be political ads and tons and tons of like I know with these particular things, I'm never going to come back and and I don't want to view them. I don't want to do anything with them. I just want them to go away permanently. And I every time I get a political ad that comes in, I edit my delete all filter that I have set up. And I just come in and I just dump the domain in there. Now, what I mean by the domain, domain, uh, you'll get an email address that say John Doe at uh, politics.com, right? I delete the part of the string that has John Doe or John dot Doe. And I keep the part of the string, which is at politics.com. Now, by just putting the at politics.com, it doesn't matter if it's John Doe, Jane Doe, Bill Doe, Greg Doe. It doesn't matter who it is from that domain that sends me a message. If it comes from that domain, it's going to be automatically deleted. That's what this filter is designed for. Now, at the bottom down there, you'll see perform these actions. And that's where I have, you know, you can select like move message to and it'll give you folder options where you want to move the message to. Uh, you can have mark as read, tag the message, set junk status, ignore, you know, I have delete message. Now, this is a very powerful one and you really want to be careful because there is no coming back when you do that. <laughs> so if you accidentally copied like, you know, an important email address that sends you like invoices or something like that. Yeah, you're going to be in trouble. So be careful using that one. Uh, I like it just mainly for the politics. And whenever all those political messages and things come in, just automatically copy them and put them right in there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they just automatically get deleted. Now, the reason I have something like that is because Whenever the people who are sending you these phishing emails and things of that nature, normally they are going to try and mimic like a store or something like that. But sometimes they'll just mimic whatever they think you'll click on. 
And what you'll notice is if you view your emails like I view them, which is in plain text. Now, I'm going to let me tell you how to get to the plain text thing real quick. First, if you click on the message tab so you can hit alt and it'll pull up the message tab. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. It's not the message tab. I believe it's view. Yeah. So you hit alt and you can hit uh, V. After, I don't know what the NATO thing is for V. So, but uh, uh, just click on view <laughs> and you uh, V as in view. There you go. And then uh, you can hit B as in body, which is it will select the message body as menu. And then you can go down to plain text. There's three options in there. There's original text. I mean, there's original HTML, simple HTML, and plain text. I always use plain text, except for when I'm printing certain things, not printing to paper, but printing to PDF for archiving in my my own personal way. That's when I use original HTML. But other than that, I, I normally, when I'm just viewing all emails, I do plain text. And what you'll notice when you do that is when those phishing emails come in, those scammers or whoever they are, the image, the original HTML of that email will look like it comes from, let's just say Amazon. It'll look exactly like it comes from Amazon. They'll have the appropriate images. It'll be designed to look like it's from Amazon. But when you view it as plain text, you'll notice that it'll just be links, no images. And it'll just be like the text included in the actual thing. If there is any text, they may embed all the text onto an image and then, you know, send you that image. So you'll notice that it's just a couple of links in there and the links aren't in, aren't from Amazon. They don't go to Amazon or anything. So, you know, it's just a scam. So basically, you know, plain text is a security measure that allows you to just basically see and read your email. Now, what I wish they would do, I wish there was a feature in here where you could turn off links where you could not possibly click on a link like it would just be literally plain text not not an actual hyperlink in there you know so if there's a link that you wanted to click on maybe you can enable that feature to make links clickable but i would like it where it just links aren't clickable at all what i do whenever i'm reviewing a certain email that appears to be somewhat suspicious and i'm not sure if those links are real or not so I'm, I'm reviewing this email, right? We're just going to create a quick scenario here. I'm reviewing this email. I'm not sure if these links are real. I'm viewing it in plain text. I'm going to go right over here on the, uh, you'll see like a button that's, there'll, there'll be several buttons, first of all, depending on the layout you're using. I think I'm using vertical. Let me check really quickly. Uh, let me click on the hamburger menu because that's how I normally get to it. And then we go down to, uh, is it customize? Uh-huh. We click on customize and then there will be layout. And I am currently using the classic view layout and I have my folder pane and my message pane. So that's the layout I'm using right now. And uh, you'll see when you're opening a message, the message will be at the bottom with the list of emails uh, in your inbox or whatever folder you're looking at will be at the top. So I'm looking at the buttons above the email to have reply, forward, archive, junk, delete, and more. If you click on the option more, then you can save the email as a different format, which I just save it as a plain text file, or you can print it to a PDF file. And that way you can view it the same way it looks in the email as a PDF file, but the link will not be clickable. That's the main reason why I do it. And I export it as a text file mainly 
so that I can examine that link. I can copy that link, go to a certain site that I feel like um, uh, there are certain sites out there. Like if you dealt with Norton Antivirus, they have their site checker. And I'll copy that link, go over to Norton, dump it in there and just let them give me some sort of feedback on that, that link. So that way, if I'm not sure if that's the real deal or not, you know, just ways I try to verify what the hell I'm looking at. Looks real enough, but just in case I'm wrong, let me try and figure out what's going on here without actually accidentally clicking on the link. And sometimes the reason why I wish there was a setting to turn the links off I don't often check my email when I'm holding my daughter because she likes to reach and slap on the keyboard and just, I mean, when she gets tired of being in my arms, she'll start to wiggle and move around and I might accidentally click on something and I become furious when that happens. (laughs) You know, I don't want her to believe that I'm angry at her, but I really don't want to click on a phishing link or anything. So it's like, you know, if, if there was a setting where I could just turn off all links, they're no longer clickable at all. Or if it was like in, um, I think in LibreOffice, if you wanted to actually click on the link and open it in a browser, you had to hold down control, then click the link. I think LibreOffice is the program I'm thinking of that does that. So you can hold down control, then click on the link and it will actually open the link versus the link just opening up when you click on it. So I wish there were measures like that in there. Maybe I can probably send that in as a feature request or something. But, um, yeah, I'll take, I'll take a look at that. But those are just some measures that I use to try and reduce the off chance that I would probably click on something terrible. You know, I can investigate certain things by using plain text and then, you know, exporting that message to a plain text, uh, a document. So the links aren't active. Then I can safely copy and examine those links from a plain text file. I mean, from a plain text editor. Like, you know, I'm, I'm using Zed here on, um, or, or Visual Studio Codium, but I prefer Zed because Zed doesn't do any sort of links at all. Visual Studio Codium will actually provide a link in there, but I mean, you, you don't necessarily click on the link in there, but I still just like Zed because it's super simple. You're not clicking on the link in Zed. So that's why I use it. I mean, you can use Vim too. I mean, either Vim, Nano, whatever you want to use. Yeah. It, you know, just view your links. You can investigate them further. So make sure that everything's safe and on the up and up. Also, one of the things I do is I use the Ubuntu font because it has the least amount of uh, duplicate character models. You know, the indistinguishable character models where the one looks exactly like the lowercase L. And that also looks exactly like the uppercase I. You know what I mean? The the character data is different, but the actual character model is just this bar. So it, they're they're just the copy and paste of the model across all three characters. Yeah, I don't use fonts like that. The Ubuntu font has, from what I could find, uh, no duplicate characters like that. So that's why I use that font. Now I do wish that the I, like the capital I, would have serifs. I'm glad that they put a serif on the lowercase. Uh, I guess they're called serifs, right? The little things on the letter, whatever they're called. Um, the lowercase L does have sort of like a bend at the top and a bend at the bottom to distinguish it from like, say, an uppercase I. The uppercase I in the Ubuntu font is just a single bar, a horizontal, I mean, a, a vertical bar. So, uh, 
Let's continue on, I guess. I got a few more things I can share with you. Now, one of the things I'm transitioning to now with my email strategy is I have a bunch of folders in my email thing, right? So, you know, you got your inbox, your draft, your sent, your archive, bulk, etc. And then you have all the folders that you create. So I have like my finances folder, my invoices folder, just several other folders in there. And what I'm doing is setting up filters to automatically filter out certain emails into those folders. And ultimately, what I want to do is everything that I want to keep, say, if it's a certain invoice that of a large purchase or whatever, I'm going to definitely archive that, you know, uh, print it out to a PDF file and save the actual email file. And that way I can archive those onto my backup solutions that I have. And then if anything were to happen to the message in my email, doesn't matter because I still have it backed up off site, you know, uh, I mean, not off site, but off onto other disks and things. What I want to do is eventually start filtering out everything from the inbox. So all the mail will come into the inbox is just going to literally be an intake. Once the mail comes into the inbox, it'll automatically be introduced to all of the different filters I have that takes certain things, move them to the work folder, personal folders, all of that good stuff. Then I'll have a chance to just give a quick eyeball over the the inbox, you know, see everything that's left in there. If there's something that I missed, um, maybe emails like, say, from my bank, right? My bank may send me a your uh, account statement is, is ready, you know, so, cause I do paperless for as much things as I can. So they'll say, Hey, you know, your, your account thing is ready. You can go online and view it now. That's not necessarily something I want to back up or even keep. I'm glad to have that message. Don't get me wrong, but it's not something so important that I want to archive it. So it's fine. That can sit in there. I don't need to actually set up a filter for that, but if it was um uh your free your refund was posted or whatever okay yeah i'll probably back that up you know a refund or whatever especially if it's a, of a certain amount of money i'll make sure that i keep that now everything else that's in there i can just eyeball it and at the end of the month so right now we're in march at the end of march what i'll do is i'll give it one last eyeball just glance over real quick and everything that just looks like yeah i mean it has some importance but not enough to keep move it all over to the bulk. And that way my inbox is fresh every single month and the bulk just builds up all of this crap in it. And say like at the end of about six months or so, I can go check out the bulk real quick. Um, yep. Yep. All that stuff in the bulk looks like stuff I don't want to keep. It was important for the time that I had it, but truthfully, it's not something I want to back up and keep. So empty bulk, you know, you can right click on your bulk and you'll see empty junk click on empty junk, boom, all of it goes away. Just done. Dump it all in trash. Delete. And then, hey, (laughs) next couple of months, just keep running that technique over and over again. And as new things that I sign up for, like recently, I went on Humble Bundle and I thought I bought a bunch of HTML books 
Turns out those were courses. I should have read that bundle and I have a massive humble bundle library. I call it my humble library because that's that's what it is. I just have tons and tons of digital books, most of which I'm never going to get to. But uh, I feel like if I had the time, I would love to get to them. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought I was getting a bunch of HTML books. I really wanted it for the CSS because I was going to learn a little bit more about CSS to um, finish tricking out my Linux Mint cinnamon uh, environment. The, uh, the cinnamon, um, theme files are written with CSS. So I wanted to just kind of brush up on that and make sure I know what I was doing. And it turns out those were courses though. So I had to sign up for this damn course. And, uh, <laughs> so now that's an email I'm going to have to add to a filter to, um, to move into a certain folder or whatever. But, uh, yeah, as things like that happen in the future, even for certain sites that like say we do couponing as well, when certain coupons come in, I have, I have a folder for that. And then bada boom, bada bing, you know, stuff I want to keep goes into the important folders and everything else just sits in the inbox until it's moved over to bulk. And every month I get a fresh inbox. So, um, there's less to worry about and more easy, wonderful emailing to deal with. Now, one of the good things about, uh, Thunderbird that I also like, excuse me, let me clear my throat here. There we go. Yeah, one of the other things I like about Thunderbird as well is the calendar is really nice in here. Um, I've, I saw on Reddit a lot of people were complaining, oh, I want a more modern looking email client, you know, something more modern. For me personally, it's all about being able to get my work done. That's the best program in the world where I can sit down and get my work done without worrying about configuring a million different things, spending hours tweaking and all that. I can sit down and get my work done and, and I get a dark mode. Uh, best program in the world. Here's, here's my money. You know, take my money. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really loving Thunderbird. The, uh, calendar is really nice. I mean, as there, there are some small little glitches that occur with it from time to time, but they say that they're rebuilding the calendar. So I'm being a little careful with all the different things that I'm adding to the calendar because I'm a big proponent of LAN. I want to host as many services on my LAN as possible. And on Linux Mint, we have this thing called Warpinator. So basically what I do, all of our computers run Linux Mint in here, right? Um, I'll have Warpinator set up and my calendar folder, uh, cat file, I can export from my main system to the, uh, what do you call it? Thunderbird calendar file, whatever they call it. And then using Linux Mint's Warpinator, I can then share that file with my other PCs on the network, on the LAN, and then update the calendars on every PC. So my main system, I have multiple monitors, big, uh, they're 24 inch monitors, and I can just sit down and work nice and comfortably here and then export over to the laptops and even share like a, and under the calendar tab, I'll have multiple calendars. You know, I got the home calendar for all of the stuff that happens in the house as far as bills and things of that nature. <clears throat> I have the work calendar where I use the manage hours. I have the Hacker Public Radio calendar where I try to manage where I'm going to put out a, an episode and the research that I'm doing for the episode where I can store into that calendar. You know, here's a site that I was checking up on. I can go back and just, you know, all the small things that I want to do, multiple different. Ca I even have a calendar specifically for my daughter in there. 
And the reason why I separate them like that is because I can export what I want out to share with, say, my wife or, you know, whatever, whoever. I can just export that out and just say, here you go, update your calendar with this. And now we can all be on the same page. And it's not on the Internet. I don't have to worry about anybody hacking into that or anything like <clears throat> I got to clear my throat again. Pause, uh, pardon me. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, I don't have to worry about anybody hacking into our, you know, calendar, seeing all our personal information or anything like that. And, um, of course, I don't store anything like SSN numbers or anything like that. It's, but still, my, my calendar is my private thing. I, I also do the handwritten agendas, which I love. That's how I, once I got into those, oh my God, it kept me from double booking things. And I was actually able to just, mm, so good. Love them. I use the see it big models from uh, Walmart. Those are really nice, but um, enough of that. We're talking about Thunderbird and of course my throat's going out again. All right. So yeah, once, once you get into it and start learning about the calendar, setting up all your multiple calendars, and then you can, you can activate which calendar you want to see at what time. So when you get into those busy months, things kind of get a little clustered all over the screen with the different calendars you have on there, but you can just take off the ones you don't want to see at the moment. And it's really nice. The, the event scheduler is really nice as well. Cause you can add your, uh, your, your people from your address book to the events and then they'll get a, an email, you know, letting them know that they've been added and all of that kind of stuff. Really cool. So, uh, yeah, I think that's about it for the Thunderbird thing. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I know as soon as I'm on my way to work, I'm going to think, Oh my God, I forgot to tell him about this. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a wonderful program. Uh, I add in the SS, uh, the RSS feeds into Thunderbird as well. I manage a, as much messaging as possible in Thunderbird. And, um, I guess what I could ramble off on just for a little while is the Unix philosophy. I know that. There are a lot of people who use the Unix philosophy to an extreme. Like, uh, their, I guess their belief is Thunderbird shouldn't have all these different things in it, like the, say, the calendar with the event list and the RSS feed and all of that into one program. Um, and I also love the address book in Thunderbird as well. The address book is wonderful. I took the time to take a bunch of uh, businesses that I communicate with and just updated their information in the address book, like just really filling it out. Wonderful. I wish I could export that to like a CSV file or whatever and put on my iPhone, but iPhone is a pain in the ass. So I'm really, really hoping our Linux alternatives are uh, speedily coming along. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting something like a Pine phone someday and just having that as my actual phone. That would be, oh, it would be a dream. But right now, I'm, we, we gotta do what we gotta do. So back to Thunderbird. I really don't, I really don't care about the Unix philosophy that much. I, I've been doing some research on that and I'm gonna probably do an episode on that as well. Ah, uh, crap. Now I'm, I'm already, I'm already bound to it now. But, um, I was, I was doing some research on it. And the, uh, the thing I was wondering is like, okay, well, everything's called GNU here and, my understanding of GNU is GNU, not Unix. So if we if we are making clear that this is GNU, not Unix, meaning not containing any Unix code or whatever, our understanding of the Unix philosophy 
main, I mean, it's a wonderful philosophy. When I read through some of the different points, I think it's like 19 points about making, you know, modular code that is uh, reusable and everything like that. It seemed a bit, I, I don't know. It, it's a nice idea. I just don't know how anybody is actually going to be able to, because I'm not a programmer is why I don't know. Right. If I was a programmer, maybe maybe this will make much more sense to me. But I I just don't see it working in today's environment where programs are very robust. You know, these programs are wonderful. They're they're filled with all sorts of features and everything. And they're just great. I don't see anybody wanting to deal with extensions. Look at GNOME. Has GNOME fared well using the extension system? You get what I'm saying? Every person I know that uses GNOME pretty much hates the extension system. They want a lot of features to be built in and maintained within GNOME. But when you have to use the extensions, what happens is the GNOME gets updated, but the extensions don't. Therefore, your workflow suffers until the people who are doing the extensions get caught up and they don't work for Fedora or GNOME or whoever. So they're probably just members of the community that create on their own time. So there's going to be lag in that update, which means your workflow suffers until everything. I, I just don't see that as a as a thing. So the Unix philosophy to me, it, it may just be my flawed understanding, but I think it should be used very sparingly in GNU. You know, I, I'm going to stand firmly on the GNU, not Unix thing, and I'm going to do some more research and try to get a better episode out about that. So enough rambling on all the great, wonderful aspects of open source software, free and open source software. Uh, shout out to Ahuka as well. Oh, God, I got to give Ahuka. Thank you very much, man. You're, you're wonderful. You're awesome. I listened to that episode the other day about batch processing with Audacity, and I was thinking to myself the other day, there's got to be some way to, to, to kind of make this a little easier, but I just don't have the time to go searching for every. I'm trying to prepare shows. I'm doing my work. I'm catching up on all my agendas and everything, filtering out all these emails with this wonderful program, Thunderbird. Got to set up time to go ahead and do another donation to Thunderbird. Lots and lots of good stuff, as well as downloading my humble books that I just bought and finding out that there was... uh that one issue where the HTML things were actually courses and not books. <laughs> yeah, that one, because I definitely don't have time to actually do the courses. But hey, whatever. Yeah, who could put that that message out there uh, that that uh, that show saying, hey, you can batch process. This is how you do it. And here's a link to a video where I eventually learned. And I thought I just love this community. Hands up. Give yourselves a pat on the back. I applaud you all for your efforts. It's wonderful. And you put up with me and my rambling. So uh, I guess that means there's a <laughs> there's a, an award in life somewhere for you just because you put up with me. So I thank you all. And um, that concludes our episode. Enough of my rambling. Enjoy your day. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. 
If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.